In today's show, we're talking Charlotte Hornets with one of the hosts of the Locked On Hornets podcast. That is Walker Mail. And this is Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. There was a bunch of team preview shows yesterday, four of them in fact. Celtics, Pacers, Pelicans, Spurs. Got another three coming today. Hornets, Heat, 76ers. Yeah, that's who we're doing today. And then we're going to round out the rest of them, hopefully this week, maybe bleeding into the start of next week. And then we start getting into things like mock drafts and rookies and second year players and busts and sleepers and breakouts and all of that great stuff. So we're going to talk Hornets today. Obviously a really interesting team um, from a fantasy perspective because there's a bunch of minutes and usage that needs to go somewhere. And we're going to try and figure out what's going to go on with it. (sighs) Horny. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, let's bring him in. The host of the one of the hosts of the Locked On Hornets podcast, Walker Mail, is back on the show. Walker, welcome back. I appreciate you having me. Yes, it must mean that the season's about to start. Doing all these previews. How are you holding up? Talking to everybody on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's been a busy couple of weeks here, which I think I'm going to do. End up doing 16 teams this week, so it's a, it's a lot of shows coming out this week. Getting it all done. I think we're 55 days away from opening night, so it's less than two months. We're getting their training camps like a month away. Uh, everything is ramping up really, really quickly, and there's going to be lots of news. There's always news breaking. We just saw the Kevin Durant thing happen, and now he's staying in Brooklyn. So I'll talk about that with the Nets guys. Later on in the week, there's always something going on. But we're here to talk Charlotte Hornets, a team that has had stuff going on, but also not much going on, if that makes any sense. And we'll start by looking at who actually is on this roster or who came into this team. They signed like zero free agents. They brought in Mark Williams and Bryce McGowan's. Montrez Harrell is gone. Isaiah Thomas is gone. Scotty Lewis is gone. Uh, Arnoldus Kubolka is gone. And we're going to talk about Miles Bridges a little bit later on, but he's sort of in... uh, I don't know, limbo at the moment. We'll, we'll talk more about yeah. that later on. But in terms of the guys coming, like, why is there just such, like, why did they not sign anyone? I think Miles Bridges has a lot to do with it. I also think that when you're kind of frozen like that, then it felt like they just didn't necessarily know what to do beyond it. Maybe some of this is also them seeking a trade that just hasn't happened for them yet. We know that Miles Turner has been linked to the Hornets for about, is it three and a half years now? It's it a feels long time. Maybe, maybe four. And they're always in the market for a center. They finally invested in one, drafting Mark Williams in the first round of this past NBA draft. But yeah, I mean, to re-sign Cody Martin at $8 million a year, and that be the only move in an offseason, a lot of Hornets pundits called the biggest in recent memory. It's pretty disappointing, considering, as you mentioned, we're just under 60 days out from the regular season. 
Yeah, that, that, that is literally all they've done and drafted those two. Oh, that's not true. So they drafted another center and traded him away for four second round picks and a uh, and a first round pick that all. And I hope be, not the be better bad. one, Josh. Like it, it oh. might have been the better one. Well, I think yeah. it was. I I, I was. Yeah. I did the live and, and, draft show, and when they drafted Jalen Duran, I'm going, "Oh my god, this is it! Let's go!" I am so excited. <laughs> and then it came through. They traded him. I go, "What are you guys doing? What is you actually know, happening here?" But hey, we don't know. Maybe they know more than us. Right. Right. We we had a very um, depressing reaction <laughs> video to that. And look. The, the thing is, I like Mark Williams, to be honest with yeah. you. I liked him in the pre-draft process. I think there's a shot that he is a really good NBA player, especially on the defensive end. I just felt Jalen Duran had the upside and was a really good passer. And, you know, we've already done those shows a million times before pre-draft. Let's hope it works out. At least they drafted a center. If you're going to trade Jalen Duran, then this is the only other option you could have gone with. Let's talk about some injuries that carried over from last season. Gordon Haywood, of course, had that serious ankle injury. Um, sort of he just came back towards the end of the year, but he wasn't himself. Uh, it turns out there was some sort of bone chip in there, apart from as well as the ligament tear. I know we can't predict you know, how healthy he's going to be this season. We'd have to guess he's probably not going to be, given the, the history of lower body injuries. But this ankle injury, is that fully recovered from? Yeah, it, it seems to be fully recovered from for Gordon Hayward. And the, the problem with Gordon is that you look at the last two seasons, it's not just that he got injured, which is concern enough. It's the fact that he did not return during the initial expected diagnosis. So when you have, I remember LaMelo Ball fractured his wrist and missed a long time. And we thought LaMelo might be out for the rest of his rookie season when he suffered that injury and Gordon Hayward would return. Well, Actually, it flipped. LaMelo would come back to play the last 10 games of his rookie season. Gordon would continue to miss the rest of the time. Last year, it kind of played out that way, too. I mean, we all expected Gordon Hayward to come back at some point, and then just keeps missing game after game. His body's not recovering as well. We had this bone chip in his ankle, um, and this guy was only on one leg even during exit day interviews. He wasn't able to move around. And so as far as I know, Gordon Hayward is expected to be fully ready to go for the regular season right at the start of it. It's just the problem of him not ever being ready once we think, okay, six-week return. You can never be too sure with Gordon Hayward. Yeah, you just got to push that expected return date out. And he's 32 now. Like He's going to be 33 yeah. towards the end of the season. Um It's not great. Like yeah, the, That contract, we talked about it a couple of years ago when it was signed. It has not gone well. At all, that injury was always a risk. Now he's older, and the team is who knows where they're going. This is a team with just a lot of question marks around it, and he is one of them. But let's look. I don't think there's many question marks about a presumed starting five, Walker, because you've gone with Lamelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Haywood, PJ Washington, and Mason Plumlee. I don't think there is any debate about that that is the way they're going to go. A lot of people look at it and go, Mason Plumlee, you're joking. Mate, why, yeah. why do Mason play? But they hired a new coach, and that new coach notoriously... Um, does not like or does not love rookies and does not put them into big roles, especially ones who I wouldn't say that Mike Williams is even ready for that starting role. So I, I don't see how they go a different direction here. Yeah. Mason Plumley is the guy that I question the most. Ultimately, because of the things that you said, I think Steve Clifford is probably going to rely on his veteran to play that center spot. I will say, yes, Steve Clifford doesn't play his rookies nearly that much. But with the Hornets, we kind of saw him do it. Frank Kaminsky played a lot. I'm not saying he should have. I'm just saying he did out of necessity. Remember, that's a very different time, too. This is not necessarily a talented team that I was talking about when Frank Kaminsky was playing a lot. Um, so, you know, I know Dwayne Bacon, oddly enough, started his first ever game as a second round pick when Nick Batum went down for injury. 
we've seen it before if Steve Clifford likes you. If he likes you as a rookie, and remember, he was involved a little bit in pre-draft process, but Rich Cho turned on him and went with Malik Monk in that infamous uh, Donovan Mitchell-Malik Monk battle, and so Malik wasn't going to play a whole lot. I think he's going to like Mark Williams based off of his motor defensively. Mark, there's a lot to like there. I think he played well uh, during the summer league session. I think Mark defensively, I think Mark was huge for the Charlotte Hornets and poor roster construction. So that was my only question, Josh. Like, does Mark Williams bring enough defensively for even, yes, Steve Clifford to play you night one? Because what skill set does Mason Plumley bring you that, yep, I need that guy in the starting lineup? Like, that's my only question. And so maybe Mark Williams starts, but ultimately this is probably what it's going to look like. Yeah, I think, I think there, is, there is a chance that, that Mark Williams starts. I, I don't really foresee it. And you're right, Plumley doesn't really bring anything great, but he also probably doesn't hurt a huge amount either, unless you're talking about him going to the free throw line where he was at like some... Like, I'm going to look it up because the number was actually shocking. It's 39%. Jesus Christ. 39% last year. Yeah. And already he, a bad free throw shooter. He was never and that bad, though. I don't know what happened last year. I don't know how that happened. He got the yips. Josh, he switched hands. Like, he went to his <laughs> left hand. Uh, the old that Tristan happened. Thompson. And then... And shot better, by the way. Shot better with uh, his he left did. hand. After, after like... He had an injury. Also, clearly it wasn't working for his right hand. And I think he did it in San Antonio or something. And yeah, ended up shooting better. And he's going to stick with it. I think he's going to come out shooting left-handed again. Yeah, I don't think he's going to shoot 39% from the free throw line again. And he's not going to do anything particularly good. But he's the king of reverse dunks. He can pass a little bit. He can defend (laughs) sometimes. There's never been a better reverse dunker in the history of the NBA than Mason Plumlee. I don't know why every time. I dare you to try to find one. I dare you. It doesn't exist. Every dunk. He'll be running on a fast break and he'll, he'll run backwards so he can reverse dunk it let's talk about the the bench group here um book Knight, Ubre, martin mcdaniels and williams i want to talk about book Knight, who it was a pretty fair effort of the hornets i thought last season to draft the two worst players out of the top 20 um whether that's scheme fit or them not being ready and then book Knight had some attitudinal issues i guess with borrego and on-court blow-ups and, and he barely played you talk about Steve Clifford not enjoying the Malik Monk experience. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you reckon he's going to go with the James Booknight experience? Yeah, unless something changes, I doubt he's going to like it all that much. And to be fair, yes, I cover the team daily. I don't have some insight on how James Booknight is as a human being. I don't know how much there were truly fights between Borrego and Booknight. We all saw the one fight on the sideline where Booknight was straight bucking up to him. I, I, th- I mean... Were there going to be swings was the question next. And eventually he kind of moves on. Uh, yeah, that was wild. We also saw James Booknight get kicked out of the UConn game. I, it, oh, yeah, that's for, from my experience, for, from the from the times that I've talked to him, he's been fine. Um, yeah, I, it just seems like it didn't go well with James Brago. And if that's the case, then you can't expect it to go too well with Steve Clifford, who, if you can play defense, then you're going to be uh, one of his favorites, and that's not something that Book Knight is very good at right now. He also likes to take a lot of shots. On the flip side, Josh, you don't have point guard depth, and Terry Rozier was that backup point guard for James Brago last year. They haven't re-signed Isaiah Thomas, who ended up being that guy towards the last third of the season. Right now, it, it might be Book Knight if you're not going to account for Terry Rozier manning the one when Lamelo's on the uh, on the bench. Yeah, I think he's going to get some playing time because their their guard depth is actually atrocious. Like. 
this mm-hmm. their guard depth is Ball, Rogier, and Booknight. Like Ubre is really a three, but he's going to have to play some in the backcourt because they don't have any other guards. You know, Cody Martin's at three. He's so he's going to have to play backcourt because they don't have any other guards. And I think you talk about Clifford. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. I think that's going to really help Cody Martin because if there's one thing Cody Martin does, it's defend. Like he took a gigantic leap forward in his three-point shooting, but you're not getting him out there to be a three-point shooter. You're getting him out there to be an absolute pest defensively. And I think that he is going to thrive. And I think that also might be pretty good for Jalen McDaniels, who's also really long and, yeah, and strong, strong defender. I'm ex- I'm not expecting a huge breakout from Jalen, but if we get the standard January Gordon Hayward injury... I think that it'll be McDaniels who really blows up rather than, say, an Ubre. Yeah, I think if you're looking at the bench, I think there's three guys that really benefit from Steve Clifford, or at least Steve Clifford is going to like. And I think it's the bottom 60% of yep. this five that you're talking about. Cody Martin defends, plays hard every single possession, cliche type of 110% guy. Jalen McDaniels, I think, is a really good defender. I think he does everything you need him to do offensively, kick out, can hit the three, actually can put the ball on the deck a little bit, runs the floor really well. Very big fan of Jalen McDaniels, especially when you consider where he was drafted a couple of years ago. And Mark Williams, solely drafted for defense. The other two, we talked about James Booknight. Josh Kelly Oubre, in a lot of measures, was among the worst defenders in the league last season. Not that I was terribly surprised, but in the first half of last year, There was some, at least, I don't know if you want to call it faux talk, but he was there in six-man-of-the-year conversation. It was always going to be Tyler Hero, but he put up a lot of shots and made them, and he was just straight fire from three-point line. And then it got really, really ugly in the second half where even Borrego stood with him as long as he could, but he wasn't making shots. I mean, you saw too many two-for-nine performances where he goes one of seven from three, and He's not going to bring anything defensively. So Borrego had to go to more Jalen McDaniels, and it just wasn't working out. Eventually, Kelly Oubre shoots like 34% from three last year after he was just going bananas in the first half. Like, this guy is who he is. And if that's not a very good offender and he's shooting 34% from three, I don't know how much Clifford is going to rely on him. That that's that's a guy that is not going to be benefited from the coaching change. Yeah, he, he's a real interesting one because last year he, he was massive on twos as well. He hit like fifty eight percent of his twos, which is a huge number. When he drives, he's a good player. Uh, it, it, that that's the thing. When he was driving, he was finishing really well, but he just kept falling in love with the three. And the thing is that if the sh- he's one of those guys that you look at, you go, he scored fifteen points a game. He must have had a great year. Yeah, but. You're right. He doesn't defend. He averaged one assist per game, which is just unfathomably bad. I don't know how you can. I, I don't know how you can do that. And he averaged yeah. f- and four rebounds. Yeah. When he played a lot, yeah, three, three and four. So how do you like? Uh, you just what do you do if he's not scoring and when they're not going in? Like that's that's something that Steve Clifford's gonna gonna hate because that is that play where he just goes like do something outside of just chucking it and getting volume. But you know there is a, a lot of questions about how he's gonna fit. I, I think he's. We'll talk about this a little bit later. I reckon he's pretty probably ripe for a trade but we'll talk about that a little bit later on because i've got an important message now because if you're hanging out with friends and putting back a few drinks a few can become too many as the evening comes to an end people start to head out you think of calling for a ride nah you live nearby you can make it home okay it's no big deal what are the odds you get pulled over anyway and even so what's the worst that could happen your insurance goes up you lose your license you lose your job you total your car you kill someone 
Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk and the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Let's talk about some young guys. Walker, we've spoken a little bit about Williams at book night. What does... Well, LaMelo Ball's everything for this team, really. He's awesome. He's going to be probably a first-round fantasy pick as well this season. He's heading into year three. He just turned 21. Like, he is super young still. Um, What does... How does Clifford impact him? I think defensively, LaMelo should grow in his discipline. You know, look, right now, like, LaMelo has the body to be a good defender. He has the instincts, for sure, and the anticipation to be a good defender. The guy just goes rogue too much, and Mm -hmm. I think Steve Clifford is as good a defensive teacher in the game. You've seen him really... You know, very much so flourish with some of the Charlotte Hornets teams he had before then going to Orlando gets them to the playoffs, you know, some some good stuff there as well. Like, I just think LaMelo will benefit defensively. Uh, Offensively, I was a little worried when they named Steve Clifford the head coach. He said all the right things so far, though. You know, the Hornets had a really good offense last year. LaMelo was one of the engines, obviously, pretty much the engine that drove the offense. And Steve Clifford continues to say, I don't really want to change all that much, you know, tweak some things that they weren't great at here and there. But I want LaMelo to largely play, you know, with the same as we kind of tweak some of the things that we do think could benefit him. So really, Josh, I think defensively is where you're really hoping LaMelo can take a a, uh, a nice step forward. And then maybe offensively, if you want to kind of nitpick too. I think the half-court game, maybe decision-making in the half-court, in transition, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's one of the best transition players in all the NBA, even now at 21 years old. Pick-and-roll decision-making, I think, is really good. I I think giving him a nice offensive big would really help that as well, flourish even more so. So, yeah, and that's kind of more on Mitch Kupchak and and personnel authorities there. But I do think Steve Clifford – um, I, I, he's worked with some stars. I actually kind of like that relationship that those two could develop. It's going to be one to watch for sure. But I think what needs to be mentioned, and maybe you can correct me on this, is that we look at, think of this and a lot of people go, oh, yeah, but, you know, Clifford is you know, preaches defense so much and LaMelo has issues with defense and maybe he gets into problems. But the LaMelo ball James Borrego relationship wasn't smooth sailing. He got benched often last season. He only played, yeah. he only played 32 minutes a night. And for the guy that is the star of your team, 32 minutes a night is not very much. He got benched a lot for you know, silly fouls or getting into early foul trouble or dumb turnovers and Brago just say, come and sit down. And it frustrated fantasy managers. But I think we sort of pushed that out of our mind a lot. So while we look at Cliff and go, maybe he slows it down and maybe there's defensive issues. This, there's so much room for him to actually get better just by playing more minutes and not getting into those issues that's where he right. gets benched early. Yeah, that's right. There was a couple of games last year where James Brego, was it against the Knicks? It might have been, where he sat him the whole fourth quarter. And Could've I think been. that was because of a couple of silly fouls that he picked up, and James Brego just wasn't having it anymore. I, they they eventually lost that game, if I'm not mistaken, too. I, I don't think that's going to happen as much with Steve Clifford. Um, and, and especially because it's not like LaMelo's lazy. It, it's not like LaMelo is just kind of loafing for the most part. Maybe he gets... Uh, caught watching 
I, I, th- I think maybe some of the times where he's starting to watch players is because he just thinks he's supposed to be there and he gets caught watching and then, you know, guy beats him back door or whatever. I, I don't think it's because he's not here to play defense. I, I think he's very much here. And I think he almost gets a little too eager to go in the passing lanes. And so I, I, I that's, that's why I want him to learn more so about that end of the floor. And that's why I kind of like Steve Clifford being here for that. And I do think Steve's going to play him more. And one, you don't have a whole lot of depth. <laughs> so maybe that helps, but mm. also I do think Steve's going to play him more. I think he is too. I think there's, there's almost no choice, and he should be pushing you know, 34, right. 35 minutes this season. The two young bigs on that list, JT Thor and Kai Jones, again, I was really disappointed in Jones last – actually, no, I wasn't, because I didn't think he was worth that pick to begin with, so he sort of did what I expected him to do. But I guess mm. Hornets fans were disappointed. Um, is there any hope of him cracking the rotation, or are the you know, five centers they got on the roster probably too much room to overcome? There's a little hope. I, you know, it was not a good summer league session for him. Nope. He's tried to really work on his guard skills. He shot a ton of threes in that opening matchup in summer league, missed all of them. <laughs> um, you know, we've experimented with him in Charlotte at the four. And I think it's pretty clear now where he just needs to play five and it, even, even getting some block shots, there's still a lot of work to be done defensively too, protecting the rim, knowing where it's supposed to be. The, the the good thing about Kai Jones is that he cares a lot, and and I think that that's what you want with some of these young guys. His personality, you know, it it's so fun. He's here to have fun and play basketball because he loves doing it and and wants to really get a lot better. But yeah, he, he picked it up late. Was always going to be a huge project and really raw. And that's why I think you still this is the kind of guy that you give more than just two years time. And, you know, a lot of fans aren't that patient. They say it at the time of the draft. But then once it comes to the second year, they're ready to see him play. I I ultimately don't think he's going to be a part of the rotation. Maybe they go to him here and there. But ultimately, I I think Kai Jones is not going to be a part of the rotation. And it'll be year three when we really try to figure out, Okay, is this somebody worth investing in or or forgetting about? Uh, look, legitimately, if you're just going on, who do I want on the court to win a game now? He's the fifth best center on the roster because there's right. there's Plumley, there's Williams, there's Thor, there's Nick Richards, and there's Jones. And Jones has more upside probably than Richards. I'm not sure about with Thor, and he's got more upside than Plumley. But on the court now, he's the worst out of that uh, that quintet. So sure. yeah, finding that sort of uh, playing time might might be tough. Um, all right, let's let's get to it now. Let's talk about Miles Bridges. He's sitting out there. Um, with that qualifying offer. There was some reports that it was revoked, but it doesn't appear that that has actually been the case. No. None of us here at Walker expect that he plays this season. I, ex- I expect him to be in jail this season, to be honest, but uh, the legal process hasn't hasn't played out there. I think there's more of a chance of him never playing in the NBA than there is of him playing this season. What are the Hornets planning on, on doing here? Because I think there's obviously a gigantic... PR element to like if they do if he just picks up this qualifying offer and he's there and he's not in jail there's a massive PR pushback if they sign him to a deal there's there's an issue what what is the plan here why haven't they cut bait on him why are they holding on to his rights um it, what are they doing yeah it seems like they're letting the legal process play out which is often camouflage for these teams but it seems like that's what they're doing they've released a couple of statements and the Charlotte Hornets have been very vague in those statements very matter of fact we're going to let we understand the severity of the matter at hand. We're looking into it and we're going to let 
the le- uh, they didn't say we're going to let the legal process play out, but they've basically said we understand what's happening. We have no comment at this time, as I believe what they said, at least in the first statement, and something to the tune of that in their second statement. So right now we know that Miles Bridges has a preliminary hearing on September 7th after we got that update a couple of days ago. I don't think the Charlotte Hornets are going to revoke that qualifying offer until we see some real substance come from the legal system. Um, I also am really interested more so not to absolve Charlotte of not revoking the qualifying offer right now. I just think this is going to be such an interesting case study for the NBA because this is pretty unprecedented, especially in the Me Too era where we've rightfully had a bigger focus on how do we stop this? Weirdly enough, you can go back to Jeffrey Taylor, who was a Charlotte Bobcat at the time, the last time you had a significant suspension given to somebody accused of domestic violence, where Jeffrey Taylor pushed a woman across a hotel room. There were also reports about the hotel room being just destroyed. And he decided, no, I'm not going to appeal the suspension. I'm just going to roll with this 24-game suspension. And then he was out of the league. You know, Josh, Miles Bridges, the medical report that Michelle Johnson released via social media is all kinds of grotesque. It's egregious. It's uh, it's unacceptable from a point where I don't know how the NBA can allow him to play on the court this season as long as, you know, one, he pleads guilty. Two, the NBA does their own independent study on this, regardless of how the criminal process plays out. It, they're going to have a lot to answer for. It's why I'm really interested. I, you know, there's a lot to dissect here. So, you know, allow me just a little bit to go into the NFL, where we've seen what happened with Deshaun Watson, over 20 sexual assault slash misconduct cases. Okay, the NFL hires an independent arbiter in Judge Sue Robinson, who gives an initial six game suspension out of 17, but she cites that there wasn't any physical act of violence there. There very much is with Miles Bridges in the most extreme of ways. So when you're talking about the NBA and these leagues trying to piggyback off each other, hey, this is how they handle it. Maybe we can handle it this way. No, no. There is a very physical act of violence alleged here. So you can't hide behind that camouflage that Sue Robinson did when she actually found and used the word predatory yeah. for for Deshaun Watson. So th- this is a very this is a case where okay, Adam Silver, as far as my understanding of the CBA, Adam Silver can come in if he pleads guilty and or he's found of wrongdoing here. Adam Silver can do whatever he wants. And now I'm sure there's going to be an appeal from the NBA PA, whatever happens all there. But ultimately, I think it's going to be a huge national story where right now still having trouble breaking from local coverage, you know, not not seeing a ton on this just because there's not a lot of details. Once they come out, yeah, this is going to be unprecedented stuff for the NBA as far as what they've dealt with any type of recently. Yeah, the Jeffrey Taylor suspension was bullshit. Like, that was way too short. But the last suspension the NBA handed down, not for domestic violence, the one, the last one I can remember in that for a lengthy period of time was Tyreek Evans got suspended for two years for a drug um, issue. Like right. Two years for a drug issue. OJ and, Mayo. Yeah. OJ Mayo is two another years. one. And these, these right. are, yes, they were into, there was some serious drug um, abuse stuff happening there. But it's very, very different to this sort of thing. So I think, honestly, the NBA has got to be looking at that as an absolute baseline. And you know, it's not it's not half a season. It's not even one season. Like if you're getting two years for drug issues, then I really think that Miles Bridges is in real in, in real danger of not playing for quite a while here. And that's why it's 
but just holding on to that call, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. I understand the process has got to go through, but I just think even from a PR perspective, it's really hard sure. for, for me to see like why why they're holding on to this this um, this offer. Are they worried that some other team's going to come in and snap him up for cheap? Well, that, that other team's just going to cop everything from everybody if they do that. And it's a really, I don't know, it's, it's a messy situation. I don't want to avoid talking about it. But right. it's, you know, we just don't know huge amounts. But I, I think that we're looking at a huge... A huge suspension here if we're looking at those two-year Tyreek Evans-type deals. We do have another one thing I've got to talk about here before we get into some more questions, and that is Bet Online because it, of course, is the number one spot for all your odds, lines, and games. Are you a uh, Panthers fan, Walker? I am a Panthers fan. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what Baker Mayfield can do for him this year. But yeah, I'm holding out hope. They've got a preseason game this weekend against the Bills. And at Bet Online, you can go check the odds for all of the preseason games in the NFL. They're six-point favorites, the old Panthers. And uh, I don't know if Baker Mayfield will see the field this week in the last preseason game. But whatever you want to see, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, NBA, combat sports, esports, or even golf, Bet Online continues to be that top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. Live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right. Um, I don't know if this is a fair question or not. We'll see. But is Steve Clifford, is that a step back for the franchise after the Kenny Atkinson disaster, I guess? I don't know how you'd phrase it. Like, is this a step back going to the guy that you had coach you five years ago, whatever it was? Um, it doesn't it just doesn't feel there's any imagination, any dare, any anything in this move. Like, it does. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. No, it, it, it's a good question. I, I think... Maybe a little bit. I don't think it's a huge step back. It's definitely not creative. I mean, yeah. it's, it's nowhere close to even living in that neighborhood. So Kenny Atkinson, you know, I know a lot of people thought highly of him for what he did with the Nets, and he did a good job. He got to the playoffs. You know, not necessarily a ton of success, I believe, that second season or that season right after that that postseason appearance. But Kenny Atkinson would have been a welcome choice for me I was always a, a fan of Mike D'Antoni too, you know, like as long as he had a good defensive staff, which is was he was able to assemble with Houston. Remember Jeff Bezdelic was yeah. the orchestrator of that defense where Houston actually got good. You know, I was hoping Mike D'Antoni would be able to hire a good defensive staff and then work with Lamelo, right? He's the point guard whisperer. That would have been cool. But instead it's it's Steve Clifford again. I, I think my biggest problem with going back to Steve Clifford was that he was never a plan C or D, right? For me, it's okay to break from the initial plan because that's what you have to do in professional sports. So you can't get this guy. You can't get your next option. Okay, fine. But give me a blueprint at the beginning and then set out something what seems like a competent organization would do. Okay, if this doesn't work out, then we'll go here and, and, and you know, so on and so forth. But you, the initial interview process never included any inkling that Steve Clifford yeah, exactly. was in the running for this. Yeah. And so w once you move on from Kenny or Kenny moves on from you and then Mike D'Antoni's no longer in the mix. Like we didn't hear anything about Mike D'Antoni after Kenny Atkinson went back to the Bay. It's like, um, okay, we'll go back to Steve. And look, I love Steve Clifford as a, a person of the media. The straight shooter is honest is not cliche in his answers. Like I love Steve Clifford, and I think there's a lot of good things that he's done as a basketball coach. But that's my biggest problem is that it didn't feel like one of the variations of your initial plan, which sometimes can go awry. Like, do they only interview two people? Like, it was D'Antoni and Atkinson? Like, is there no one else they even talk to? I, it, well, it, it just doesn't make sense. 
Well, at the beginning, they interviewed a lot, right? So they, they brought in a David Vanterpool, Charles yep. Lee. They interviewed Darvin Ham. And so I liked that route, you know, going after talented assistants. And, and they did that a bit. Then they, you know, dwindled it down to the point where, okay, now they're looking at guys who have head coaching experience. It was Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, and Terry Stotts was kind of a faux third candidate, but was still included in the final three. And then... They still wanted somebody with head coaching experience, but they were the last team looking for one of those one of those guys. I guess D'Antoni, Stotts, they didn't re-enter the mix. Eventually, Steve Clifford is one of the only other potential coaching candidates. Frank Vogel was never even mentioned too. I'm not saying he would have been the answer, but yeah, like it was just kind of weird how after all of that, after Kenny Atkinson, they went right back to Steve Clifford, and I don't even know if they interviewed anybody else. Who's a breakout candidate on this team? I Jalen McDaniels to me is somebody that I kind of like. Now, if you're looking for big steps up, I think LaMelo could see a big step up in his point per game. Um, you know, especially with no Miles Bridges on the roster, assumingly. PJ Washington, I feel like, is just going to be better suited in a role where maybe you see an uptick in his, you know, points per game average. I do think that he's an excellent defender. So I, I mean, I I'm a huge PJ Washington fan. So I think he is going to be a big part of their success. But Jalen McDaniels, I just think, really smart basketball player. There's not too many of the 6'10 wings that can put the ball on the deck, that can hit the shot from outside, be pretty mobile, versatile, play, I don't know, probably the three to four, and then your really small ball five lineup. So I think we actually saw him do that maybe once or twice because Borrego was a little bit of a mad scientist. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of McDaniels. And I really think he can be a big part of this team's success this year to where if we're asking who makes the biggest jump, he's probably my lead candidate. What about step backs? Who's the guy who's going to regress, do you think? Cody Martin's three-point percentage yep. seems a little outlierish to me. Um, you know, that was he went from the first 29 to 40, didn't he? Yeah, and it was a huge step. Look, I, I love Cody Martin as, as a guy, as a player. And, you know, really he was kind of in danger of, of getting cut. I, it, it would have been a long shot, but we talked about it on Locked on Hornets. Hey, mm. Cody Martin could be a roster casualty. And then, you know, he gets to the point where, oh man, they, they need him. They kind of need him badly out there, especially with how weak this team was defensively. But I think if you look at the second half of the season, his three-point percentage actually took a, a pretty big dip. Um, you know, it wasn't talked about as much because Kelly Oubre, you know, was was uh, suffering a lot more than what Cody Martin was. So we were focusing there. But Cody Martin's shooting seems a little outlierish to me. And so that's somebody. Um, yeah, the, the other, you know, I can't think of anybody else that would take a huge step back because largely this team is so young. And maybe another answer would be Gordon Hayward. But his totals last year weren't crazy. I, I think Gordon can still be a 40% three-point shooter, average 15 points per game. If, if you want to talk about, you know, getting to the basket, you know, shooting free throws, you know, maybe some of his uh, skill set starts to deteriorate as he gets older. But overall, I, I'm looking at Cody offensively maybe to take a step back. Yeah, I think Hayward can actually do be better than he did last season because without Bridges yeah, there, I hope so. there are more shots around. Like, he can get to 17, 18 yeah. points per game, I, I would say. Now, I reckon this question is pretty easy as well. Is this team better than they were last season? No, no, and it's Miles. Yep. It's what it is. Yep. You know, the, the if you weren't going to make an outside move, then the only way to get better is internal improvement. And there's a there's an argument to be made there, right? So 
before we know that Miles Bridges is going to turn himself in to be arrested for a felony domestic violence charge, before we know that, we could expect, hey, maybe Miles shows more consistency to reach the All-Star game. LaMelo, yes, as an alternate, but first alternate and perform well in the All-Star game, you expect him to make his second uh, All-Star game this year. P.J. Washington, can he be more consistent offensively and add a little bit more to his game? I just told you about Jalen McDaniels and how much I think of him. I think Mark Williams actually does help a little bit defensively this year, even understanding how hard it is for big guys to step into the league and, and provide an impact. At least I thought he would be better than Mason Plumley and any other answer they had on that end of the floor. I thought there was a real shot, even if the Hornets didn't do anything, that they could be a little better. I still wanted them to make a trade, and now when you're telling me they don't make a move and they don't have Miles Bridges and they're relying on Gordon Hayward's health, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I don't know how to make the argument that they're going to be better outside of making some big trade. I don't know the argument. It's, it's going to be just out of the box, completely unpredictable uh, internal improvement like PJ Washington becomes a 25 point per game scorer and you can't you can't predict that there's just no way it's going to happen um, or Lamelo, I guess yeah, just having th- some, 30 a game yeah yeah just some monster monster step yeah who's the most likely player to be traded there's a lot of candidates here yeah there are um, you know Terry Rozier is a sneaky one you know maybe not even so sneaky because he has been in, in trade rumors but the Hornets love him they talk about his leadership but that contract, it's going to kick in this year, right? Yeah. So even if you wanted to say, hey, he's worth it last year, well, he was because he was still making like 18. Now he's going to be making close to 25. He's a candidate. Gordon Hayward's always going to be a candidate. Maybe there's a contender that desperately needs somebody that that provides, you know, you see teams make it all the time. They're trading for what they feel like is the last ounce of juice from a former all-star. Maybe that happens, especially if Gordon Hayward's healthy the first 30 games, providing a big impact. There's a possibility that could happen. You mentioned Kelly Oubre earlier. That's clearly a trade candidate too. So contract's not that much. Set to make like $12 million this year. So it's actually one of those salaries that it's it's pretty manageable, right? You can take it on. You can. It, it's a nice salary filler. Um, and maybe a team does think that he can catch fire from three again and, and be some kind of offensive punch off of the bench. So Kelly Oubre is a pretty nice candidate to include there as well. I'll probably list him as the number one candidate. Mason Plumley included too, you know, if they want to give Mark Williams a ton. So basically, <laughs> Josh, like we, we've we talked about these guys, all of them being tradable except for LaMelo Ball. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of names there. Exactly. Um, all right, let's, um, let's end this off with some little quiz questions for you, Walker. Basketball Index has these metrics, um, and we're focusing on three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. It's not about who has the highest percentage. It's about difficulty of shots and volume of shots from three and location and pull-ups versus catch and shoots. And playmaking is assist numbers, but also potential assists and versatility of passes and hitting guys at the rim onto easy finishes. And and finishing is not just about putbacks. It's about getting to the rim and driving and finishing through contact and drawing fouls and all that sort of stuff. So with all that in mind, who do you think graded out as the highest three-point shooting talent on the Charlotte Hornets last season? These are every answer here is guys who who remain on the roster for this season. Yeah. Um, who do you think it is? Yeah, I, I think the 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 only two that come to mind are Lamelo Ball. Who? How crazy is it that he's an excellent three-point shooter? It's, it's actually you know, unbelievable. 
It's crazy. Yeah. I, I know it was it was my biggest question mark, and he's actually legitimately very good, depending on any measure you want to go with. And Terry Rogier is one of the best catch and shoot guys in the league, and has really turned himself into that uh, type of player. I'll go with Lamelo. I, I just think there's probably a more variety of shots that he hits from deep than Terry. So give me Lamelo. It is Lamelo. He hit him at yeah. 39%. He attempted over eight per game. He takes tons of them off the dribble as well. He was uh, he's excellent in that area. And he's also become an unbelievably good free throw shooter, which we weren't sure that was going to happen either. He was like 85% on that. Uh, well, it actually was higher than 85% last season, wasn't he? 80, 87, I think. 87, yeah. yeah 87, 39% from three. So really, really good shooting numbers. What about playmaking? This one, don't overthink it. Yeah. Lamelo, yep. you know, Lamelo, he, and, and that's like it, it's so easy that you don't even have to think it's a trick question, especially when you consider who else is in the backcourt. Terry's looking for his shot. He's not the greatest uh, decision maker in pick and roll by any means, or even the best ball mover. Yeah, this is. It was always going to be clearly Lamelo. Well. For finishing, I'll tell you that the guys, the two guys who graded out the highest are not on the team at the moment. One of them is Miles Bridges and one of them was Montrez Harrell. So who do you reckon out of the guys who currently on this roster would have graded out as the best finisher? You know, Terry shot a, a, a shot up big time two-point percentage last year. I know PJ played a lot better down low this year than he did the previous season. Yeah, this one's this one's a little bit more tough. Um yeah. I, give me Terry. I know that's off the wall. Give me Terry Rozier. I'm expecting maybe some kind of weird answer. It was actually another guard. It was actually Lamelo Ball who, who graded oh, out no way. as the best, <laughs> no way. the best finisher on this team. So he uh, he gets the clean sweep there. And this is the last question: Who is the best catch and shoot three point shooter on this team who played a minimum of 500 minutes? So a rotation play. Who had the best catch and shoot three point percentage? All right now I'm shook. I, it might be Lamelo. I'm going to go with Terry Rozier here too, though. It's Lamelo. Uh, yeah, of course. 40, 43% on his Why? catch and shoots. <laughs> he, Why did I go Terry? That's stupid. I, yeah, I should have gone with Lamelo. Lamelo was just doing everything. He was hitting him off pull-ups. He was hitting him off catch and shoots. I think it's Crazy. underrated how good his season was, and I just wanted to highlight that through a lot of those numbers. So there you go. Lamelo Ball gets the uh, the clean sweep on all the quiz questions. Walker, thank you for coming on and chatting about this Charlotte Hornets team. We'll see if there's anything else that goes on for them in the uh, in the off season. But hey, it looks pretty uh, looks pretty weird at the moment. But there's going to be lots to talk about on Locked On Hornets. Um, what have you got happening this week over there? Yeah, you know it's peak off season. We are going through all of the numbers worn in Hornets history and deciding who wore it best. But we're also giving you the updates on things that take place with Miles Bridges. The preliminary hearing happening September seventh. We gave you an update there after we found that out a couple of days ago. Lamella Ball's birthday was a couple of days ago, so we did our twenty-one favorite facts slash memories. We're going to release that episode tomorrow. So still having fun over at Lockdown Hornets. Yeah, Lamelo. Talking about numbers, like we went to the NBA store here that just opened in Melbourne. My son wanted a Lamelo ball jersey, and they only had the number two jerseys. They don't have any of the number one ones yet. So, yeah. Lamelo, that's annoying. Changing number at this point, and they haven't brought the new stock in. So we're waiting on uh, waiting on that new stock. Walker, thank you so much for coming on to Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Yeah, always a blast, man. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.